0: Welcome to First Church this morning, and a special welcome also to those listening on the radio. A few announcements here this morning. The altars, uh, the flowers on the altar are in memory of Betty Henshin. Seems not, not that long ago we were honoring Betty as one of our living saints. She will be missed by many of us. We welcome Olivia Lammers back as our guest musician today. She will be sharing special music with us during the offertory. Congratulations to Hannah Bumbar and Aaron Bastion, who were married here yesterday. Hannah is the daughter of David and Judy Bumbar. Congratulations to that, to the Bumbar family. Also, congratulations to Megan and Nathan Quist on the birth of their daughter, Myla Grace, who was born on the 4th of July. Megan is the daughter of Jean and Emily Little. Seems the Littles now have a firecracker in the family. You need to go out and find some birthday uh, candles every year that sparkle, fizzle, and snap, I suppose. Good luck with that, and enjoy that every 4th of July. Next Sunday, Rick and Monica Hamberkamp will be here, and we'll share a photo presentation in the ministry center after church. Um, Tori, if you would uh, come up. This week is a busy one. Oh, that was canceled. Scratch. But Tori will be sharing more about the mission trip this morning Due to and and do not miss the community block party tomorrow night in the parking lot or the free car wash on Tuesday from noon to 3 p.m., also in the church parking lot. I think they moved you, didn't they, in the program. Okay, thank you. I didn't get that. That was not on here. Okay, please rise and join me for the call to worship. The call to worship this morning is taken from Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit is no deceit. My time,
1: my bones waste
0: their way, for I all
1: strength was as in the eve of
0: I sinned to you, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave me to my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you, while you may be found. Surely, the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble, and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. songs. The first one is a new song and Adam's going to lead us in that. So join in as best you can and see if we can follow along and praise the Lord this morning.
2: I'd like to invite forward all of the participants in our youth mission trip that will be that are here this morning. So um, as they're coming up, I encourage you to take a look at the names that are printed in your bulletin. Notice there's a lot of names there, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, so for sake of time in our service, I'm not going to read them all, but you can see all their smiling faces and uh, and read their names here in the bulletin. Um, as they're coming up, I also want to invite our any of our current elders that are here this morning. Uh, after ter- Tori and I share for just a moment, we're going to pray for them, and so we want the elders to be up here in order to, to lay hands on them and pray with them as well. So we invite you to come forward at this time also. Man, I'm getting pushed all the way <laughs> over here. This is awesome. So Tori's going to take a few moments and share about what they're going to be doing this week, and then um, I'll follow up with that with some encouragement and prayer. Yeah. Tori.
3: Good morning. So this week, uh, today is day zero of our local mission trip, um, and we are so excited. This isn't even half of the kids that are going to be here this week. Um, we have 23 kids signed up, so there'll probably be about 30 of us total. Um, with leaders and kids um, serving in the community throughout the week, and we are so excited. So um, just a quick rundown of what we're doing. On Monday, we'll be up at the soup kitchen in the morning, and in the afternoon, we'll be at Elmwood, uh, and then Tuesday, we will be here, and we will be doing projects in the church. We'll be doing yard work projects around the community. Um, We'll be painting things. We'll be doing a free car wash, Um, and it's totally free. We will not accept donations. We want to do this as a gift. Um, So the car wash starts at noon. So if you want your car wash, we will do that for you happily. Um, And also on Monday night, we're having a community cookout. So that starts at 6 o'clock. There will be burgers and hot dogs. We'll have nine square out. We're going to get the basketball hoops out. It's going to be a fun night. There will be music. Um, so you might see us tonight coming around and giving you a flyer for that if you live in town. Um, and then on Wednesday, we will be at Agape Packing Bags and then back at the nursing home. And then Wednesday night, we're going to go camping together and end our week of... Couple of days of service together with a camping trip, so we are excited. Our theme this year is "Be Different," um, and it's based off of First Peter two eleven and twelve um, of live such good lives among the pagans that even though they think you're doing wrong, they still praise God. So, um, looking at what it means to live for Christ and how that makes you a little different, but that's okay. Um, so that's what we're doing. As always, we would love your prayers. Um, and if you want to come and serve with uh, with us throughout the week, you're more than welcome to. We will take anyone and everyone. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of our week, and if you have any questions, talk to any of us, and we'll be happy to answer questions.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Tori. And I don't know, I know some of you are familiar with how this trip all came about. Originally, the plan was to go with YouthWorks, which we've done in the past, and be in Chicago. Well, after that was... Fairly planned out, we realized that there were some scheduling conflicts and things weren't going to work out, and so we kind of had to hit the brakes on that and change gears. And we decided to do a local trip, and we weren't sure exactly what that would look like or how that would how that would uh, work itself out. But one of the things that did happen is that the group size more than doubled. And I just think that's an amazing thing. The, the way that God was working in and through that, a trip to Chicago would have been great, of course, but, but by switching gears and staying here, it allowed more people to be involved and more of these teenagers to participate. And I just think that's a wonderful thing to, to see all of you up here and the others that weren't able to be here today. Um, it's going to be great to see them involved in this trip when they wouldn't have been able to uh, with those other plans. So, so praise God for changing things up on us. <laughs> we don't always take the time to do that when he changes our plan. It's not always something we, we initially think to praise him about, but here's a great example of how he had something better in store for this group than what we originally thought. I want to take a moment and just uh, just share a word of Scripture, and then we'll pray for you guys. Um, when we think of missions, we often think of the Great Commission that Jesus gives his disciples at the end of Matthew chapter 28. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We hear that passage, and we often think missions in terms of going to the nations, going to Africa, going to Asia, going to South America, going somewhere else in order to serve God and share the good news of the gospel with them. Uh, and what we're learning with through this process, of course, is that we are part of the nations, too, right? New Knoxville, New Bremen, Lima, Walpock, all these surrounding communities. We need to reach the, our communities with the love of Christ and by serving them just as much as we do Chicago or anywhere else in the world. And so this, oppor- this trip is an opportunity to remember that that great commission, that call to serve, goes for us in our hometowns just as much as it does anywhere else in the world. And so um, they're going to be able to live that out in very real ways this week, and I'm excited for you all. Um, I have a couple of questions for you. If you've been on a mission trip before, um, these questions are going to be very familiar. They're the same ones we asked last week, but or excuse me, last year. But we think this is an important thing. And as even though you are staying local and it is a little different uh, approach to missions this year, uh, we still believe you are a group of our church that is being sent out to do God's work. And so uh, we want to ask you a few uh, a couple of questions just to show that you understand that and that and that we as a church are supporting and, and praying for you as well. So I'm going to ask you two questions about, uh, about this mission that you're going on, and then I'm going to ask you all a question about prayerfully supporting them as well, and the questions are printed in your bulletin if you want to follow along. So I'm going to ask you to, there's two questions, and you can respond with we do to both of them. It says, do you recognize your mission as being sent forth by God to be his hands and his feet in service and to share his word? Awesome. and do you accept your assignment as a commission from God to go and act on his behalf and do you accept the responsibility of representing this congregation and this community and doing the work of our Lord in New Knoxville and the surrounding areas praise Amen. God and to the church we want to be a prayerful support for them as well as you, know, you may not be able to physically join them in the different service projects that they're doing but, but maybe even more importantly than that you can pray for them and you can be that support and that encouragement throughout the week. So as you're as you're going about whatever you have in store for yourself these next couple days, I encourage you to take a moment and be praying for them and thinking of them. And so this last question is for all of us to make that commitment to, to be a support for them during this time. It says, will you support them with your prayers during this venture? And with your interest upon their return, recognize their contribution to the work of God's kingdom. We will. Praise God. I, a, I know you don't have enough hands, but <laughs> as best you can, lay hands on someone near you and then I'll say a word of prayer for this group. Father, thank you so much uh, for the work that this group will be doing, beginning tonight, Lord, uh, and over the next couple days. I thank you that you have called each one of them and provided an opportunity for them to serve you by serving these communities. Lord, we thank you for changing our plans and and, and creating a mission trip this week or this year that looks Different than we have done in years past. But Lord, this is, this is part of your will, we believe, and, and so we ask that your Spirit would guide them and strengthen them. We pray, Lord, for a good, uh, experience for them as a group, Lord. I pray that serving together would be an opportunity for them to grow closer together as brothers and sisters in Christ and as a youth group in this community. And Lord, I pray that their work and their time this week, not just what they'll be doing physically with their hands, but also the, the spiritual impact that they'll have in these communities, we pray that, that you would honor that and that you would work through them to make a strong impact here. We praise you for all that they're doing. We pray you keep them safe, and that, uh, and that when this week is over, Lord, we pray that they and our communities will be changed as a result of it. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.
4: Good morning. How are you guys? Good. Well, I have something here with me. Maybe you guys can tell me what this is. I don't know if you guys can see this because some of you are down really low. Do you guys want to look up here? I don't know if you guys can see it. What do I got?
5: What kind of seeds?
4: These flower seeds?
5: Flower seeds? You got
4: flower seeds? Well, these are flower seeds, and they're all different kinds of seeds. It's from a wildflower pack. And these seeds are going to be you guys today. You are these seeds. Well, the seeds, where do we plant the seeds? In the ground. What's in the ground, specifically? Dirt. So we plant the seeds in the dirt. And then we cover it up. Right? All right. So we're going to call God the dirt. Well, what do we, once we have the flowers in the soil, covered up, then what do we do? What do we do to make them grow? You put water on them. You're right, Tucker. So you put water on them. Do you just do it once? How many times do you water? Fifty. Maybe more. Would you maybe do like once a day? Yeah.
5: Once a day.
4: Once a day. All right. Tucker says once a day. I agree. I think you need to water plants at least maybe once a day. Maybe not a lot of water. But she does it two times. She does it two times? Well, she really loves her flowers then. So, all right. So, we do one time a day. And we water the flower seeds in the soil. She did it one time. All right. So we water the flowers in the soil. And then what happens? It grows. Good job. It grows. How big do flowers get? So big. So big. I think. Some are really tall, like maybe a sunflower seed. Some are really, really short, like maybe like a succulent or a ground cover or something. Some are really, really small. Can you give me that flower, a flower right there?
5: flower a flower.
4: Give me the bowl, too. Here's a flower that we planted. And how big is it? Little. Little. Does it ha- what does it have on it? Flowers. Flowers. Well, here's how I think in our Christian lives, planting works. We, the seed, gets planted in God's soil, and then we water it by maybe your mommy and your daddy teaching you. You Guys coming to children's chat, to maybe Sunday school, to vacation Bible school, and you constantly get watered and watered and watered. And then what happens? You grow, you grow, you grow, you grow, you grow. I'm still growing. Are you still growing? Are you still growing? We're all still growing because we're all constantly. You're four? Well, you've got some good growth, bud. So we constantly are getting watered. You're going to be five? We constantly get watered by people, especially all these people out here keep watering us. Because they want to feed our hearts. What kind of flower is this? A fake flower. A fake flower. Can this grow? If I put this in this dirt, will that grow with my other pink flowers? No. Why not? I put it in the soil. It's fake. So if I water this, it won't grow. No? You're right. But it's kind of like us. When we maybe stop taking the water and we stop accepting the sunshine and whatnot, we can become like this fake flower. And we don't grow anymore. But we want to constantly keep growing in our faith. So we keep coming to Sunday school. We keep saying our prayers and singing songs during church. Because those are things that help water our plants. Okay? Let's go ahead and say a prayer. Lord, let us be filled with your soil, watered by your grace, and shined on by your kindness and love. Let everything we do be in your name, and let us grow daily in your name. Amen.
2: Thank you, Shelby. I invite you to pray with me again. Father, we are so grateful for your grace and all that you pour out into our lives through your Spirit so that we can grow and mature in you. Lord, help us to trust more fully in your promises each day. Help us to know you better so that we can uh, follow you more closely in everything that we do. And Lord, it's, it's simply by your grace, it's, it's a response to the love that you have for us that we're able to do that. And so we thank you for that reminder. And Lord, as we, as we continue on in our service today, as, as we look forward to, to what we'll be discussing during the sermon time, we're, we're grateful, Lord, that you do work in and through us, that you enable us to rely on you through your Spirit. And that it is it is by you and by your grace that we are able to grow and and be the people you call us to be. And so, Lord, we pray that you're, you would guide us in that, as individuals and as a church. Help us to know you better. Help us to love you more each day. And help us to be obedient to the calling you've placed on our lives. And I pray that as a church, we would be able to be a a beacon of light and and shine forth your goodness and your mercy and your love. In this community and around this world, Lord, as we as we continue on in our in our prayer covenant, uh, this week's focus is on compassion. The prayer goes this: Empower me to love others the way that you love me. I pray, Lord, right now that all of us would be able to live and to, to be that verse, Lord. That you would em- enable us to to love others in the way that you love us. Uh, Lord, in and of our own strength, it's not possible. In in our own ability, we're not going to be able to live up to that perfectly. But by your grace and by your spirit working in and through us, we can have compassion for others. We can, we can show the love of Christ to each and every person, those that we know and those that we don't. And so I pray, Lord, that your spirit would fill us with love and compassion for everyone, Lord. Um, and that's especially needed in our world today. Help us all to, to love as you love us. Help us to treat others the way they, that you have treated us through Christ. And Lord, as, as we do that, we pray that, that uh, all of the, the issues in our nation, in our world, and our communities, Lord, I believe that they would be improved, that, they would be, that, that as we learn to love others the way you love us, Lord, we would see a difference being made for your kingdom in this world. And I pray that that would happen. Lord, I, I pray for those that are in authority over us, as your word calls us to do. We pray for wisdom and guidance for our our, our local, our state, and our federal leaders, Lord. Um, we pray that you would give them wisdom and compassion. We pray for good, just decisions to be made. And we pray for our, for them and for us, Lord, a hunger and thirst after your righteousness. as As you promise, we will be filled. We thank you for all these things. Uh, We also lift up our those concerns that are listed in our bulletin, the the concerns that those names represent. We pray that you would heal those who are in need of it. We pray you would provide for those who are in need, and that your spirit would be a source of strength and peace and comfort for those people as well. We pray these things in Christ's name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time. And we have, once again, just a reminder, we have Olivia Lammers here to provide us with some music. Thank you.
6: chapter 19, verses 1 through 20. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the same name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way, so Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyranus. This went on for two years, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Seba, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, The total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. And now if you would open to 350, we'll sing, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus."
2: I pray that our time, the rest of the time we have in this service, we'd be able to set aside any distractions, any burdens that we may be carrying in with us this morning and lay them at the foot of your cross. And I pray that our time would you'd help us to focus in on on what you have in store for us, Um, help our eyes and our hearts and our minds to be focused on you. And I pray that you'd give me the words to speak that we need this morning. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. I think there's sometimes two problems that we, uh, that we have when we talk about this idea of spiritual growth. Now, that's a term that we often throw out there. We want to be growing in our faith, right? We want to grow to know the Lord better. We want to, we want to deepen our trust in Him. You know, whatever, whatever kind of phrase you use, whatever terminology you throw out there, you know, uh, the goal of the Christian life is that we want to grow in our faith and our relationship with the Lord, and we want to trust Him more and more each day. You know, that should be the goal, but but we often uh, have two problems when it comes to how we're able to actually live that out and how we actually, uh, what that actually looks like, I should say, within our own lives and within, you know, church in particular as well. Well, the first problem is, and let's be honest, it doesn't happen, right? We, we, we say we want to grow in our faith, we say that we trust the Lord and we want to know Him better, but but we're not actually living it out and we're not actually doing it you know we 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 talk the talk but we don't always walk the walk right and so that that may look different for a lot of people but but we have the problem of of not growing in our faith the way that we know that we should and so that's one problem that we often face and the other problem on the other end of the spectrum is that we we make spiritual growth we make relying on Christ to too programmatic, too rigid, too, too invested in in step one, step two, step three kind of approach to the spiritual life. We focus so much on, on information gathering or, or behavior modification that we miss the point of what spiritual growth is actually meant to be, and that's to know Christ better, not just here in, in your head, not just in an intellectual way, but also know Him better in your heart, to to trust him more, to actually live it out through your life and through your actions. And so we focus so much on 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 you know classes to take and and books to read and all those sorts of things. And they're good and and but they're they're a means to an end. They're a means to an end and that end is is being able to trust in Christ and to rely on him more fully and be able to be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. And that transformation isn't something we can do ourselves. Shelby's children's chat was great this morning, that image of a seed growing into a flower, because a seed just left by itself isn't going to do you much good, is it? Left in that packet, right? Left left on its own, it's not going to do any good. But a seed that's planted and cared for and nurtured and put in that right environment we'll then be able to transform into a plant and grow the way that it was meant to grow. So thank you for sharing that this morning. I thought that was great. And it is a great image for what transformation in the spiritual sense is meant to look like. As we grow in Christ, as as He works in our lives and works in and through us, we become the people that God intended us to be. We become more and more like Him as we're able to depend on Him more and more. You've probably heard the phrase that, that it's not about what you know, it's about who you know, right? And, and, and in a very real sense, that's what spiritual growth is about. It's about knowing Christ. It's about knowing Him and, and being able to rely on Him more and more. Now, what you know is important, too right because it's it 's through reading scripture it 's through a, a prayer life it 's through those things that we're able to know christ better that 's how God has chosen to reveal himself is is through his word and 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 Christian community like this but it 's ultimately about knowing the person of Jesus Christ and having that relationship with him that 's where that transformation takes place in second Corinthians chapter three paul gives an a, a image of what this looks like. He's talking about the greater glory of the new covenant. He talks about how Moses, when he would go up to Mount Sinai in the presence of the Lord and receive the law, when he would come back down from the mountain, his face would literally be glowing with the glory of the Lord. There was a physical... Uh, appearance of the Lord, a manifestation, and the people were actually kind of scared about it. And they asked him, "All right, that's great, but when you go and, and meet with the Lord, and when you come back to us, put a veil over your face, because because that that glory kind of intimidated them and scared them." And so Paul says in this new covenant, we in Second Corinthians chapter three, beginning in verse eighteen, he says, "We all." Now that we have known Christ and His Spirit is living in us, he says, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I love this picture of of that transformation into His image with ever-increasing glory. And I think that's so important for us as we talk about spiritual growth, as we talk about what it means to grow in our faith. That I think sums it up in a nutshell: being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. I want to point out a couple things here before we get on to the text from Acts chapter 19, and that's and that's from this Second Corinthians passage. The first thing to notice is that that this transformation comes when we focus on the Lord. It says we all now with unveiled faces we contemplate the Lord's glory. As we set our eyes and our hearts and our minds on Him, that's where that transformation comes from, is, is when our, our attention is on Him and not on ourselves, not on our problems, not on our circumstances, but on Him and Him alone. And it's an ongoing transformation. It says that it takes place with ever increasing glory. That means, and I'm gonna be brutally honest here, we're not there yet, right? We're not perfect, we haven't arrived, we're still gonna make mistakes. And I'm included in that. But as we grow to know the Lord more, as we are able to, to trust in His promises more and more each day, that, that, that transformation will continue to take place and, and more and more of Christ will, will shine through us. More and more of His character and His image will be present in our lives. And people will be able to see that and we'll be able to see that in ourselves. And so it's an ongoing transformation. We become more and more like Him as we learn to trust in His promises and our focus is on Him. And finally, it says that this transformation comes from the Lord. It's not something that you can do all by yourself. It's not something that you can you can muster up the strength to do. It's about allowing God to work in and through you to allow that transformation to happen. And it comes from the the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So it's important for us to, to think about that. And, 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 and I wanted to, to give you this context as we look at this passage today, because the verses that Connie just read for you may seem like kind of a random assortment of episodes and, and for Paul as he moved his ministry into the city of Ephesus. But I believe these three episodes have a connection and that they demonstrate what spiritual growth looks like in the life of a believer. You see, first of all, that the import, that as we learn to rely on Christ, we first must be filled with the Holy Spirit. We must also take ownership of our own faith, and we must be willing to follow Jesus at all costs. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So the first thing here in these, this opening verses, we learn it, that we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. When Paul first arrives in Ephesus, he encounters this group of people who are described as disciples, but they have never heard of this Holy Spirit that Paul was talking about. So Paul asks them, what baptism did you receive? In other words, who did you learn this from? Whose teaching have you heard and, and where did this, this knowledge of the Lord come from? And they said they received John's baptism. And when he talks about that, he's talking about John the Baptist, the one who prepared the way for Christ. As we, if you were to turn back into the Gospels, you see at the very beginning, the ministry of John was one that paved the way for Christ. And, and so his baptism, his ministry was all about preparation. It was about repentance, Paul says here. It was about preparing the way for the Messiah who was to come. And anybody who asked John, what his role was, he would have been the first one to tell you he was not the Messiah, he was not the Christ, he was the messenger that was to prepare the way for the Lord. And so John's ministry was, was meant to point people to Jesus, was meant to point people in the right direction so that when Jesus came, when that time was fulfilled, they would then be able to trust in the Lord and His Messiah and what He was doing. And so in a sense... These twelve people, they represent people who, who took the first step towards Christ, who took the first step towards the path of spiritual growth and discipleship, but hadn't quite gone all in yet, maybe? That's a good way to put it. They knew about, they knew about the Lord, they knew about, uh, the, about Jesus, they had heard about Him, but they had not yet committed to follow Him. And that's not enough. You see, it's not enough simply to just go through the motions. It's not enough to just know about God and know about Jesus and know about the Holy Spirit. We need to take it to the next level. And that, that is that commitment, that trust, that faith that we put in the Lord. In order to fully rely on Christ, then, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I know when we, when we talk in that way, when we talk about the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit, that can make some people a little uneasy. And I think the reason for that is because we, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit necessarily as much as we should. And we talk about God the Father all the time, right? We, we sing songs about God the Father. And so we're very comfortable with language about, about who God is in that sense. We talk about Jesus all the time, of course, right? He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He was the Savior who came and rescued us from our sin. He's the Son of the Father that was sent in order to redeem the world. And so, so rightly so, we spend a lot of our time talking about Jesus as our Savior. Uh, but we also need to, to remember to talk about the Holy Spirit as, as God's presence here among his people. The Holy Spirit is a third member of the Trinity who is, who God has given us in order to guide us and to, to teach us and to enable us to live our lives for Him. In many ways, I think the Holy Spirit is like that uncle that we don't always like to talk about that kind of weirds us out a little bit sometimes, right? We're not sure what to always think about Him. We know He's there, but, but we don't always know how to respond or how to deal with Him. I think that The more we talk about the Spirit, the more we learn about what the role of the Holy Spirit is in our lives, the more comfortable we'll become with that. And, and it is an important thing for us to, to know about because it's the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives that then enables us to live for Christ each and every day. See, God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the presence, is God's presence in the life of the believer. And it's the mark of, of the one who has put their trust in Christ. Paul writes in Ephesians, and remember this is, he's in Ephesus in this passage, so the letter to the Ephesians was written to these very same people years later. He tells them in verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked within, in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. So Paul says here, when you believed, when you put your trust in Christ, when you, when you took that step beyond just knowing about God and truly knowing Him and trusting in Him, it says that God gives you His Spirit as a deposit, as a guarantee of that future with Him. So that's the mark of a true believer, is the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Later on, in Ephesians chapter five, verse eighteen, he tells them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that term there is, is, is meant to not just be like a one-time thing, but it's that constant being filled. It's God's presence constantly in the life of the believer to enable us to live for Him each and every day. I'll be the, I'll, I'll say it once again. I've said this many times, and I'll say. I'll continue to say it. In our own strength, and our own power, and our own will, we're not going to be able to, to live for God the way that God desires. It's only by relying on Him and relying on His Spirit working in our lives that we'll be able to live and, and, and honor Him in everything we do. In Ephesians 5, it says, be filled. It's a passive tense. It's not fill yourselves up. It's be filled. It's, it's relying on God to do the work in you, to transform you, to change you, to be more like Him. So what does the Holy Spirit do in the life of the believer? Well, in John chapter 16, we see that He guides us in all truth. It's the the Holy Spirit who who helps you to understand and points you to Christ. As you read Scripture, as you study His Word, it's the Holy Spirit that helps you to understand and and not just know it, but be able to live it out each and every day. It's the Holy Spirit who develops the fruits of the Spirit in our lives from Galatians chapter 5, those characteristics that we see in Christ that then become a part of who we are as we trust in Him. And the Holy Spirit also provides gifts for His people. We see here an example that when they were filled with the Spirit, they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. But the Holy Spirit enables us and gives us gifts to serve others and to serve us church. And some of them, we've, we've talked about this before, so I won't go into depth, some of them are, are upfront gifts, like I get up every Sunday and preach, others get up and lead music, and other, other opportunities are, are are very obvious the way that people have been gifted by the Spirit. But many times, and probably the majority of cases, God gives us gifts and abilities to use more behind the scenes. The people that that don't necessarily get up here every week, but are faithfully serving the Lord in, in ways that we often don't even see, that is also Spirit-enabled gifts and serving. And so how do you know that you've been filled with the Spirit? What does that mean? It means that we learn to rely on God's promises, not our feelings and experiences. See, our feelings can come and go. Our feelings are fickle. But the one thing that we can hold on to, no matter what we're experiencing in the moment, is the truth of God's Word. And in that passage I read to you from Ephesians, promises us that as we put our trust in Christ, He gives us His Holy Spirit. And so that's... That's what you hold on to. If you question, is the Holy Spirit present in my life? We always turn to God's Word and says, if I've trusted in Christ, if I know Him, then, then God's Word says He is here with me, and that's what you rely on, not any other sort of experience. I've talked with worship leaders uh, through through, you know, my time in seminary and other places. that said, you know, I can I can play certain songs and 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 play my instrument in such a way that it'll provide an emotional experience for people. that can be, you know, that, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is moving, right? We can, those emotional experiences can come and go, but the truth of God's word remains all the time. We also need to, the second thing here about what it means to rely on Christ is that we need to take ownership of our faith. This middle story in this passage just cracks me up. These people that, that hear about Paul's ministry and what he's doing, they hear about this name of Jesus and all the miracles that they're able to perform. And they want to be able to, be a, to do that as well. And so they begin to go around and trying to cast demons out, try to heal people uh, by, by, by using the name of Jesus and, and the name of Paul. And, and one time as they're doing this, the, the spirit within the person looks up and he says, I know Jesus, I've heard of Paul, but who are you? And there's just this moment of, it's, I think it's meant to be funny almost to the point, like, who are you? Why should I listen to you? Right? You see, the problem that these people were having is that they were relying on someone else's faith. They were relying on Paul's faith. They were relying on that. They, they, didn't, they weren't living in the authority of, of God themselves. They hadn't trusted in Christ in the way that, that Paul and the others had. They were just trying to, to live out a secondhand faith. See, God doesn't have any grandchildren. Nobody becomes a part of God's family on the basis of a parent or a grandparent or even your pastor's faith. Each one of us, we all need to trust Christ ourselves. We need to to become one of God's children by by making that decision to, to put our trust in Him. Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, He invites us that if we want to be His disciples, if we want to follow Him, we must... Daily take up our cross and follow him and that 's an invitation to each one of us and it 's an invitation that we must accept it 's a day by day sometimes moment by moment decision to trust god 's promises more fully and The third thing we see here in this passage is we must learn to follow God at all costs. One of the things that that we 've learned about the city of Ephesus uh, through archaeology and other historical records, is the focus that this city in particular had on the magical arts. There are people there who claim to be sorcerers and magicians, and they would have these spells and these scrolls that they thought gave them power over nature, gave them power over spiritual things. And so as Paul arrived and his ministry progressed through the city of Ephesus, these people who had once trusted in those things began to put their trust in Christ instead. And so it says here that they began to come and they, they would openly confess what they had been doing, and they even got to a point where they, they would gather their scrolls and they they burned them in order to destroy them and remove the power that those things had over their lives. You know, many ways we need to we need to ask ourselves what are we willing to give up in order to follow Christ? What are we willing to, to put aside in order to follow him more faithfully and, and closer each day? Following Jesus means that we must be willing to turn away from anything that hinders our walk with him. Obviously, we need to turn from our sin. If there's things in our lives that are, that are hindering our walk with Christ, habits or thoughts or emotions, we need to turn from those things and trust in Christ to, to, to remove those things from our lives. But sometimes that cost that, that may be financial, it may be material, it may be relational. And so we need to be willing to part with anything that distracts us from our walk with Christ. Even sometimes the good things in our lives that are not pleasing to God. The things that may be beneficial to us. We need to be willing to part with those things in order to follow Christ more fully. Wanna, we need to realize that the cost of changing must be less than the cost of remaining the same. We value so much the things of this world that we don't often really give God the time of day. And so we must be willing, willing to change those things. So I want to read uh, in closing Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, which encourages us to cast aside the things that, that trip us up and to follow Christ. What do you need to give up to follow Christ closer today? What, what's blocking you from, from truly giving yourself to him in, in, in every aspect of your life? What is that thing and are you willing to give it up for his sake? Because it's worth it. As we focus our eyes on Christ, as we put our attention on him, uh, we will uh, be able to set aside those distractions, set aside those things in order to follow him. And we need to be willing to give those things up because what we're giving up is nothing compared to the glory and the joy and the peace that we can experience in Christ and only in Him. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that You would fill us with Your Spirit each and every day. We thank You that You have given us Your Spirit in order to enable us to trust You more. And I pray that as we do so, as we as we. Focus our attention on you. Help us to to take ownership of our faith and set aside those things that that separate us from you. And in doing so, help us to rely on you more fully each day. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. I invite you in closing to sing the first verse of number 441, Take Time to Be Holy. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Go in peace.